Torah Resource presents the Rob and Caleb Show. All aboard! And now, from two sides of the same state, here they are, Rob and Caleb. What up? A shalom. And welcome to the Rob and Caleb Show. My name is Caleb Hegg, and with me, as always... My friend, my teacher, my mentor, Rob Van Hoff. What up, Rob? Shalom, Caleb. How's it going, brother? It is going very well. A happy Passover to you and to all of our listeners. How was your uh, Pesach Seder? It was very nice. And today being Thursday, I understand that you have another one. Is that correct? Yes. It. Uh, we have another one coming up here for uh, that we're going to do at our house for people that couldn't make it to the other one. Oh, nice. Very um, cool. And actually, today we have a very special guest joining us once again uh, to clear up some of the emails and other th- things that have gone on in the past week. My father, Tim Hag, how are you, Dad? Hey, I'm uh, I'm glad to be here again, Caleb. Um, I I'm glad to be able to clear up every problem that is uh, <laughs> has come up with regard to the chronology yes. of the Passion Week. I mean, why shouldn't we be able to clear it all up since uh, they haven't been able to do it for two thousand years? Yes, so. exactly. And my father has another uh, another uh, a Passover seder that he's doing tonight for a church. A is, mock. A mock. Yes, of course. You can't do a Passover seder. Really, since it's Thursday, you can't do a Passover Seder. Uh, but doing a mock Passover Seder for a church tonight, right? Right. The uh, pastor called in the area. I usually don't do these, but he's new uh, to the area and said that he had come uh, from, I forget which state, but at any rate, uh, that he had had this done in the church that he pastored earlier uh, years back and that it was very, very helpful for him and for the people. And he just wondered if I would come and help them with that uh, uh, this year. And I said I'd be glad to do it. So it might be uh, an interesting way to just encourage some people to uh, to think again about the the festivals and so forth. Now, Rob, you had your Passover Seder at uh, your your friend uh, Adam's house, right? Yep. And how was that? You, you had a lot of people? Yeah, we had. I think we had about 20 people. Oh, that is a good group. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we laughed and some little kids running around and you know we had a, on the piano. we had my friend Adam and his wife Mary they stayed with us uh they they left yesterday it was uh it was a great time we had we had a wonderful time and I'm already looking forward to next year actually I think that he's going to uh, Adam is going to be uh joining us in Spokane when we're all there uh coming up in June all right let's uh let's quit the shenanigans and uh first of all if you want to write us you can do so and I did find out that the email is working, t- uh, radio at TorahResource.com. That's radio at TorahResource.com. Follow Rob Vanhoff on Twitter at Rob Vanhoff, two Fs in Vanhoff. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Caleb Hag, two Gs in Hag. All right. So this last week we got a couple of emails. I'm going to read one of them. This one is from Christina. She said, there are a couple of things that still confuse me on the timing. And we're talking about timing of the Passion Week. That is when Yeshua, our Messiah, was crucified, and then how long he was in the tomb and raised again. She says, number one, multiple accounts say they didn't want to crucify him during the feast because it might cause a riot. If he was indeed crucified on the 15th, that would have been during the feast. How do you respond to that? I'm going to point that one to my father. Well, 
<clears throat> that was, in my understanding, primarily the reason that the uh, leaders of the Sanhedrin uh, decided that they should take it to uh, Rome. In other words, uh, as far as the Jewish population was concerned, when you've got a couple of Roman criminals that are crucified and you put a Jew up there with him, they just presume that the Jew also uh, committed a crime uh, of capital offense against the Roman government. Okay, there's not much you can do about that. If if Rome convicts a Jewish person of crimes that are worthy of death, uh, then it's uh, it's Rome's problem, not to mention the fact that uh, already there was, because of the leadership in uh, in the Jewish community, not because of the people themselves necessarily, because many of them followed Yeshua, but uh, the leaders had persuaded, uh, apparently by this time, had persuaded the people that he was uh, a sorcerer, perhaps, or or that he was leading Israel astray, that he, he was not to be followed, and uh, they must have gotten a group of people that were willing to say, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And so when the Jewish people saw Rome taking the upper hand and saying, okay, this fellow needs to be done away with, it it wasn't uh, it wasn't uh, the leaders of Judy uh, of the Jewish community that were doing this. It was Rome. So, in other words, who cares if they cru- if the Romans crucify? I mean, almost like a anti Gentile viewpoint. Who cares if the Gentiles crucify him on on Shabbat or on the festival? Because you know they're they're Greeks, they're pagans anyway, right? Well, yeah, and and even the crowds, the the multitudes that were in favor of Yeshua, you know, when he came into the city. They gave him a, you know, a, a victor's welcome, so to speak. Uh, even they, you know, what were they going to do? Now, some have even suggested, as you know, the so-called Passover plot and all of those th- books uh, that that have come out in past years have even suggested that the reason that Judas betrayed him was he had a, a, a personal motivation. He was hoping to foment rebellion against Rome and bring about, you know, one of the uh, one of the wars that would uh, that the Jews would rise up and finally beat beat Rome. I, I find that hard to uh, put all together, but nonetheless, uh, even those that were followers of Yeshua or those who thought, well, maybe he is the Messiah, maybe he's going to come and and uh, free us from Rome. Even they, when Rome took the upper, upper hand and crucified him along with two other criminals, what were they going to do? So it wasn't that they could riot against Rome. Uh, at the festival, and they certainly couldn't riot against the leaders of the of the Jewish people because that wasn't they weren't the ones who put him there. Okay, so then the other question that is brought up here, I think that's pretty self explanatory. I mean, your views on that that uh, you know Rome's do, Rome's doing the crucifying, so um, you know what 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 are the Jewish people going to do if Rome's crucifying? And I, I can only imagine that within the uh, within the Jewish mindset. The idea might surely was there if he truly is the Messiah, and, and Rome tries to crucify him. Uh, you know, he, he's going to rise up and and liberate the people from Rome. Okay, so the second question that Christina has in this email is: the fifteenth was a Shabbat. If he was crucified on the fifteenth, then all the trials, etc., took place on the Shabbat. Why then do all accounts talk about it being the preparation day? If the weekly Shabbat was the next day. Uh, that of course is technically a preparation day, but it, it but isn't that secondary to the fact that it was a Shabbat? John nineteen thirty one speaks of getting him off the cross so he wouldn't remain there on the Shabbat. Why would that matter if it was already a Shabbat? And why not state that all this was done on a Shabbat, seemingly in violation 
of the Torah. Okay, uh, well, the, the whole idea of preparation days is the, is the bugbear that uh, causes uh, some of the problems with chronology. Uh, first of all, uh, we have to rely upon later uh, data, and Rob, uh, you know, you can weigh in on this. Uh, I'm, I, I read this past week, I read uh, the, the Mishnah in a couple of different uh, um, publication type. In other words, I, I read the Kahadi uh, version. I also read Blackman and looked at uh, Danby. So I looked at the, at the various uh, publications of the Mishnah and read Pesachim, uh, Mishnah Pesachim. This is a section of the Mishnah that ha- that basically is the uh, ritual and traditions for Passover, correct? Correct, and it's plural. Pesachim means Passovers because it involves not only the laws of Passover and leaven and the sacrifices and so forth, but it also incorporates uh, Pesach Sheni or the second Passover, which is a month later, which the Torah provides for those who are ritually unclean at the first Passover. Okay, so uh, reading that, and um, I'm, I'm looking at what do we do with the uh, chronology that's given uh, to us there. Well, it seems as though it might at least give us a glimpse okay, of hey, what's going on. Hang on, I want to clarify for our listeners and for myself as well. So you're telling me that within this tractate there is a chronology of what? Not Yeshua's death. No, but there is chronological... Um, Issues, and this all stems from the fact that in Exodus, in the Torah, it says that on the tenth of the month of the the month of Exodus, which is Nisan or the first month, it became the first month. On the tenth of the month, the lamb was to be selected and brought in, and then it says very clearly that it is to be slaughtered on the fourteenth of the month, the blood put on the doorpost, and so forth and so on. So then this is also reiterated again in Leviticus as well as in Numbers uh, 28 that uh, that the lamb uh, is to be slain, the Passover lamb or the Korban Pesach is to be uh, slain on the 14th. Okay? Now, uh, the, my point is simply this. The, in, uh, and let me pull it up here real, real quickly. In Luke uh, 22, it says, Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread which is called the Passover, was approaching. So we see immediately here that in the Gospels, and this is true in the Mishnah too, the term Passover and the term Chag HaMatzot, or Feast of Unleavened Bread, are used interchangeably. Passover isn't just viewed as one day. It's viewed as the whole seven days of unleavened bread, as is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, when the, according to, again, the Mishnah, the 14th, which is the day before the festival actually begins. And I'm using the uh, numbers of the calendar that we would use from the, from the uh, biblical month, the first month, okay? So the 14th, when, when does all the leaven have to be out? Because the Torah says, uh, there shall not be any leaven seen in all of your borders. Okay. 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 So at what point it, does it have to be gone? Well, the, the ruling... Uh, class basically said, the, the leaders of, of the Jews said, it has to be gone on the 14th, and particularly in Jerusalem, it has to be gone by noon on the 14th. So they considered 
the 14th to be the first day of unleavened bread. Okay, so wait, hang on, let me throw a wrench in here. So mm-hmm. what about what about the argument, okay, but, you know, and we we use the same line of reasoning uh, at Torah Resource often. Uh, you know, you can't read the, the Mishnah back into the first century. This, uh, this was written maybe 100, 200 years after uh, all these event, events went down. So how, do you, how would you work with that? I mean, how, how okay. could, how, how are, why are you using the Mishnah to read back into the fir- first century text? I, I'm really not. I'm using the Mishnah to try to help me understand what I read a little bit, at least, in the Gospels. Take, for instance, Mark fourteen twelve, On the first day of unleavened bread... Then it qualifies. When is that? When the Passover lamb was being sacrificed. When does the Torah tell me the Passover lamb has to be sacrificed? On the 14th. Okay, Exodus 12. Well, here, Mark calls it the first day of unleavened bread. Just like the Mishnah does. Okay, so, if the first day of unleavened bread is the 14th. Okay. All right, now, if we if we come to uh, Luke 22... Uh, And let me just get to that quickly. We read, Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is called the Passover, was approaching. And so forth and so on. Okay? We come down to verse 7, and it says, Then came the first day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Same exact thing as Mark has. So this is the 14th. And Yeshua sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, so that we may eat it. So they had I.e. the Passover lamb is what you're saying right precisely. there. Precisely. They said, where do you want us to prepare it? Now, this is another thing that we discover. We discover it not only in Josephus, but we discovered in the Mishnah as well, that the term Pesach almost always, not entirely, not every time, but almost always Pesach refers to the lamb. Because it talks about who can eat the Pesach, who can't eat the Pesach, whether the Pesach... Uh, you know, at between what time and what time does the Pesach have to be sacrificed because it says it has to be sacrificed or slain between the evenings to use the, you know, Bena Arbi'im in, the, uh, in, in, in Exodus. Okay, so there's all of these issues that the, that the later rabbis in the Mishnah, or, well, at least the rabbis who compiled the Mishnah are concerned about and apparently were concerned about earlier. So what does this tell me? It tells me that on the day that the that they were uh, that the lambs were being uh, slaughtered for the Passover, which is kind of a peace offering because they're going to eat it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so on that day was the, it was the fourteenth, and the, Yeshua tells the disciples to prepare for Passover, which means he is not on the cross. The day that the lambs are being slaughtered, according to the Torah, was the fourteenth, according to uh, the history that we have from the Mishnah and from other. Uh, historians like Josephus, it was the fourteenth of the month. Okay, so okay, so so if you're confused, don't worry. We're going to talk more about this. Uh, one of the reasons that we brought my father back onto the show is last week we had him on the show. We've gotten a little bit of com- conversation because of that show, and uh, so we're gonna we're gonna clear up some some more stuff. Uh, just to let you uh, have a little taste of what's coming, I have a a picture here that uh, One Nineteen Ministries put out and has gotten a lot of play on Facebook. I'm going to bring that up in a few minutes. But first, Rob Vanhoff, you've been mighty silent. I know that you have a question that is regards this. And by the way, it should be said first and foremost that Rob and I. One of the reasons that my father's even on this show right now is because Rob and I really do not know much about the whole chronology of the Passion Week. 
Uh, we are, we are, that is not our area of expertise. However, my father has done a significant amount of research on it and therefore we bring him on. All right, Rob, your question, uh, to my father about, uh, about the chronology. Well, thanks, Caleb. Yeah. And Tim, I'm so grateful that you have time to join us too, because you know, there's, there's in our walk, as we grow, we encounter certain conversations and some are more heated and we have to choose, you know, and this is one of those, it's like, I don't have a a dog in that fight (laughs) until it seems like this year I'm around a lot of people who are, um, really, uh, zealous about chasing this down. And, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so, um, I'm grateful for all the work you've done and, um, I've never really, uh, never bothered me. You know, yeah, I just it's sure. like, okay. But uh, in any case, you know, one of the things that came up at our Bible study here, our weekly Bible study on Thursdays was, you know, some people say, oh, there's John has a different calendar and, uh, you know, trying to uh, make all this work. And um, one of the verses is, or I think one of the chapters, I think there's two verses in John 19 mm-hmm. that talk about the Passover. And I think how you've already described Passover can refer to the actual Passover lamb, like you described, uh, Josephus. Mm-hmm. But we also have uh, these things like, I think it's in Deuteronomy, is it Deuteronomy 16? Right. Places where it seems like the Passover ext- it, it can t- also uh, talk about the whole Feast of Unleavened Bread. Right, exactly. It does we have, in so Deuteronomy it's like there's 16. two possible connotations here. Right. And one of the things that I, I've just been chewing on this week is in John 19. You probably already know the verses I've got in front of me, and I can't find out. One of them, they don't want to, uh, there are some religious authorities that don't want to step into the praetorium. Pardon me, I don't know what verse it is. Yeah, that's, 18, uh, that's 1828, John 1828. Oh, 1828. And then there was a... Uh, then there was a second one too. From maybe the second one was from John nineteen, yeah. that it was uh, maybe first fourteen. It was the preparation of the Passover, right? And the question then is: is this does this mean the Friday of Passover week, mm-hmm. right? Or is it the is it uh, yeah. prep? And so if you could just talk a little bit to sure. John's account, sure. And and I guess the big picture, if I could just tuck one more little thing in, in my question, is. Do you understand then the big meal and the, all, the discourse of the, around the meal in the Gospel of John that comprises probably a quarter of the whole Gospel, if not more, it, that that is the same meal? This is the Passover meal that we read about in the synoptics. Okay, let me answer that question first. I, I think, well, you know, we have three witnesses, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all of whom make it very clear that he ate a Passover meal. You know, he says... Uh, uh, you know, I've greatly desired, in Luke, he says, I've greatly desired to eat this Pesach with you. He could not have eaten a Passover meal. It would not have been a Passover meal, and he would not have referred to it as a Pesach, um, or Pascha in the in the Greek, uh, if there had not been the meat of the Passover lamb there. That was the central focus. You couldn't have had the meat of the Passover lamb unless you went up to the temple with your animal, and had it slaughtered, and blood poured upon the altar, and then it hung, and uh, so the rest of the blood was uh, taken out, and then given back to you, and you brought it back to your place, wherever it was. You skewered it with a a wooden skewer, not a metal one, according to the at least the rabbinic halacha, and then you put it over a fire, and you roasted it. 
And this is this was uh, essential. This was absolutely essential for the meal. So the idea that he had some kind of a fellowship meal on the 13th and then he was crucified on the 14th uh, before everyone else was uh, uh, celebrating their Passover meal, it, it just doesn't work in any of the three uh, Gospels. Now, it would seem to me the better part of wisdom is to say, is there some way that we can reconcile John to the three rather than trying to reconcile the three to John? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you have three witnesses, then you, you would think, okay, I need to I need to figure out what is going on with John. Now, first of all, the the uh, or secondly, I should say, the verse in John eighteen twenty eight it says, then they led Yeshua from Caiaphas into the Praetorium. Now, the three uh, synoptic gospels tell us that this was the day that he was crucified. Right? I mean, he was there in the morning. He was declared to be guilty by Pilate. Pilate washes his hands. And by the time noon comes around on that day, uh, he's on the cross. Okay. And they say it was early. Yes, it was, because it was early in the morning. According, again, to tradition, uh, Mishnaic tradition, uh, uh, the Sanhedrin was not allowed to meet. They could meet on a Shabbat if it was a capital offense that they were dealing with, but they couldn't meet uh, in anything but daylight hours if they were going to uh, vote on an execution. So hang on, that's important. So that the, you're telling me that the, that the Sanhedrin would have actually met on a, the, high, the high Sabbath, the high holy day Sabbath well, let, of Passover. Well, let's remember one thing. These, most of these people in the Sanhedrin, we couldn't say all because we don't know all, but most of them are politicians. And most of the, them were there to regulate the political outlook of the society of the Jews, okay? They did all kinds of things that were illegal. Are you kidding me? They paid Judas. To, yeah. they, they paid false witnesses. Yeah, they really didn't like Yeshua either. No. So <laughs> to, to, think that, to think that they would adhere to all of the, the laws, and besides that, according to the Mishnah, they had the right to meet on a Shabbat if it was a matter of a capital offense, Okay. Um, but they couldn't they couldn't do that at nighttime. In other words, they were trying to limit the power of the Sanhedrin from doing, you know, uh, nefarious things at night when nobody could see and watch and whatever. This is, I think, why they came, first of all, to Caiaphas's house. They went to Caiaphas first and said, you know, basically, I think they were asking, do we have a legal land, uh, leg to stand on here? And, you know, Caiaphas is basically being a, a diplomat and says, you know, you're going to have to go elsewhere. I, you know, I can't tell you this. Um, and so then they, they wait until it says, you know, the sun was up and they met with the Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin basically didn't have the right to put him to death mm-hmm. because they could not prove uh, his, uh, his guilt. The best thing they could do is come up with treason. But treason isn't something that the Sanhedrin had the right of execution for. That was Rome. Yeah, it was Rome. So they took him to Rome, said this guy is treasonous. He's going to cause all kinds of riots and so forth and so on. Now, it says that in John eighteen twenty eight, back to this verse, then they led Yeshua from Caiaphas into the Praetorium. This is where uh, the Praetorium guard was stationed, and it was early. And they themselves did not enter into the Praetorium so that they would not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. You say, wait a minute, they already ate the Passover the night before. But remember that that the Passover is not just one day. It's seven. It's seven days. And every day there had to be sacrifices. These are called the Chagigah, all right, the festival sacrifice. And at least part of the festival sacrifice was a peace offering, which meant what? You had to be clean. It had to, You had to be clean, but it also meant that the priest got to eat part of it. Mm. Okay? So 
you know, I think that we could just as well say they, they wanted to continue their duties as priests and have the advantage of getting the carcass and other kinds of things. Let's face it, Passover was very lucrative for the priesthood. There were a lot of people coming in giving their money for their high-priced animals and so forth and so on. They, they wanted a share of that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how I would answer that one, Rob. Is that basically when it says they, that, so that they would not be able to not be defiled, that they might eat the Passover. They're not talking about the Pesca lamb, the the Pesach lamb, the Korban Pesach that was uh, eaten at the Seder on the evening before the fifteenth. But they're talking about the Kagi goats that were going to be and the other sacrifices, some of which were Ola, right? Some of which were whole burnt offerings, and therefore were not eaten. Parts of it were not eaten, but some of them were peace offerings. And this is very clearly laid out um, uh, even in, in Numbers 28 and so forth and so on, in Leviticus. Okay, So, so it, it, regarding uh, verse 27, right before that, John 18, uh, 27, it says, Peter then denied again, and immediately the, cro- the cock crew. Right. That's the King James. So, the idea, this is really early. Yeah, well, technically. Well, let me interrupt you on that. There's oh, a question. Ahead. There's a question, and uh, even even the uh, the rabbis uh, offer this. I, I mentioned this in my commentary at the at the point there of uh, of Matthew that has a similar term. Um, the 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 sectants the at the temple that gave the the uh, uh, signal that uh, the day had begun for the priests in terms of sacrificing and so forth was was viewed as a the a cock crow. And so this may not mean that it was just when the sun came up, but it could have been maybe uh, uh, an hour or so after that time. Yeah, but okay, it was so very early. It was very early. I guess, or not necessarily halakhically, but the, the concept that we have from the Torah that any of the Passover lamb from, from the 14th that even, evening mm-hmm. that had not been eaten had to be burned up. Right. By this time, right? We're talking. What we're talking about here for John eighteen twenty eight is this is um, sunrise, basically somewhere around maybe prior to or right around sunrise, right? Which would have been around 15th, six o'clock in the morning, around the fifteenth. This is and this is the fifteenth of precisely. Nisan. Okay, precisely right. But see, then I'm thinking that because the other three gospels clearly say this was after Yeshua ate the Passover. That this must then be talking when it says that they might eat the Passover, it's talking about the Kagiga. And by the way, in the Mishnah, in Tractate Kagiga, which is the term, again, to explain the festival sacrifices, the sacrifices which were added to the daily sacrifices in the temple on any festival, these, these were considered to be, they were named by the festival. So the Pesach in Kagiga is the uh, the festival sacrifice in the week of unleavened bread. Okay, so uh, let me ask one more question uh, before we go to break here. In terms of John not adding up to the uh, to the other gospels, uh, some have brought up the idea that perhaps John uh, was part of a more mystical sect, perhaps uh, the Qumran sect or a sect that might have. Uh, held to a different calendar than the traditional Pharisaic calendar in Jerusalem. Uh, And that's how you have different times and all that kind of stuff within the book of John. What are your thoughts on uh, John as the author uh, having a different calendar than than the rest of the Synoptic Gospels? Well, you're asking me, correct? Sure, yes, absolutely. Well, it doesn't work. 
<laughs> it's not John's God. It's not John's calendar that's being uh, dealt with in the Gospels. It's the calendar of the uh, of the Sanhedrin. Okay, so then how then how do we reconcile? How would you reconcile the different time? It seems like J- John has different timing than the rest of the the Gospels. Well, okay, uh, and this is the third question that uh, Rob that you brought up, and that was this question of preparation day. Now, I think most people know this, but the Greek word uh, paraskue is the word for preparation. But guess what? It became the word for Friday. Right. Yeah. Okay. And Josephus, who's quite early, uses uh, this same word to mean Friday. Paraskue. Paraskue. Now, when it, when it says the bug, one of the one of the uh, well, a couple of the verses in John that caused this problem. It says in John nineteen fourteen. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover. It was about the sixth hour, and he said to the Jews, "Behold, your king." So here's Yeshua being ready to be crucified, right? Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. all right. So now, say, well, wait a minute. It was the preparation day for Passover, but this could just as easily be understood to mean the Friday of Passover. In other words, the, pe- the preparation day for the weekly Shabbat. No, just the prepara- the, the Friday of Passover. Oh, I see. I see, because he refers to Friday as preparation. Yeah. When, it, when it says for the Passover, it really is, it's paraskue to Pascha, okay, in the Greek, that, which could be e- just as easily translated as Friday of Pascha, Friday of Passover. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So in this, right. I think it's the NASB puts uh, for the Passover, which yeah, tell, it, it, that cues the wrong file in your brain. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I'm just checking um, real quick, quickly here. Well, and- there's a, there's another place in John too, right? That that brings up a lot of confusion or a lot of uh, debate because John says that he doesn't. Now I could be wrong in this. I need to look this up. But doesn't John? basically say that uh, Yeshua died at a specific time and it's different than the than the than the gospel writers well there's there's the question of when it says for instance it says um, he and he gave up his spirit mm, mm-hmm. as opposed to and he breathed his last and when he gave up his spirit does this mean that uh, that's when he died or did it mean that that's when he said it is finished and then moments later he breathed his last. Um, there's some of that. Now it still it gives us the you know the sixth hour, the the ninth hour, uh, the tenth hour, and so forth and so on. As I think most people know, the hours in, were reckoned in terms of the of the temple were reckoned from sunrise. Mm-hmm. Okay, so sunrise is is zero and every hour for that. So um, m- most would say that the third hour was was noon. Uh, have I got that right? No, no, not the third hour. The seventh. Oh, now I'm. No, it's okay. I, it's okay. I, I, but at any rate, that he was that he was on the cross at noon, and that he was there for three hours. That he basically, after three hours, uh, it, uh, he gave up his. But that's not what all the gospels say, right? Doesn't 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 uh, the, don't the synoptic gospels disagree with that? Uh, n- you know, I I don't remember offhand. I can look real quickly though. It's okay. Here's what we'll do. We'll take a break real quick. We'll be right back. 
And when when we get back, we're going to talk about uh, the chronology that this ministry, 119 Ministries, has come up with. And we're going to talk about whether or not that's right or wrong. I'm actually going to try my hand at uh, debating for this calendar that 119 Ministries has uh, come up with this this chronology and uh, see how my father uh, takes takes this on. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to The Rob and Caleb Show. That's right. You are listening to The Rob and Caleb Show. We are here with a special guest this week. We have my father in the studio once again trying to clear up all these chronology issues of the Passion Week, when Yeshua died, how long he was in the tomb, and raising again. And uh, right before we went to break, we were looking for the differences between John's account in terms of hours as opposed to the synoptic gospel. Synoptic always refers to the first three gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke, sorry. And uh, so, Dad, have you have you found yeah. that? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, uh, when I said earlier before the break, uh, third hour, I was thinking of Mark. Mark is the only one that has the third hour. It was the third hour, 9 a.m., when they crucified him. Okay. So I was, uh, when I said three hours, I, I was wrong. Uh, it was the third hour, which would be 9 o'clock a.m., according to Mark fifteen twenty-five. Okay. when they crucified him. Now, is that actually when they put him on the cross or when they took him, that's, that's, took him up to Golgotha and so forth? That's, I'm not sure. That's all debatable. Yeah. But Matthew says, now from the sixth hour, which is noon, darkness fell upon all the land until the ninth hour. That's 3 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So from noon till 3 o'clock, there was darkness. And Mark has the same thing. When the sixth hour, noon had come, darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. Okay? Luke has the same thing. It was now about the sixth hour, noon, and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. So all three of the synoptics agree there was three hours of darkness while he was on the cross. Okay. And um, and this is where you have, now it was the day of preparation for Passover in John nineteen fourteen. It was about the sixth hour, which would be noon, and he said to the Jews, Behold your king. So John agrees with this, that he was on the cross at the sixth hour, which was noon. Okay. Then it says uh, in Matthew, about the ninth hour, Yeshua cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Or in he, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Okay. And Mark has the same thing in Mark fifteen thirty four. At the ninth hour, Yeshua cried out with a loud voice. Same thing. Uh, so... Um, you, you know, the, so Luke, Luke and John don't, uh, they don't say anything about the ninth hour. No, they only have the sixth hour. I see. Okay. Uh, anything but, to add? Uh, go for it. Keep going. Well, you know, I just want to say if, if you feel like uh, those of you that are listening or all of us, I mean, those of us here too, if there's some things that you say, wow, this is really complicated. Guess what? It's been complicated for a lot of people. Uh, the, the church divided over this uh, in the early centuries. You had the uh, quadradecimans, the fourteeners, and you had the fifteeners, and we have the same thing going on in uh, in messianic uh, circles as well. And and of course, the church isn't concerned about it because the church moved away from a lunar calendar to a strictly solar calendar, so that the Pope actually was the one who decreed what Sunday. Easter should be on, and everyone just uh, goes with that. And we should we should uh, clarify real quick for our listeners: the fifteeners and the quadragesimal uh, 
that's people. Uh, the church originally had two different uh, beliefs. Some said that uh, Yeshua was crucified on the 14th. Some said that he was crucified on the 15th. There was a split in the church over this. Uh, my father is absolutely correct that the the Pope regulated for the Mass. However, the Greek Orthodox, I believe, still celebrate uh, the resurrection uh, or the death of the Messiah on the 15th of Nisan. They actually continue to hold to the Jewish calendar. Okay, all that beside the point. Anything to add to that, Rob, or to ask or talk about on that ish on any of those issues? Nope. Nope, back, uh, my, the only little side thought I had back to the John eighteen twenty eight was the comment about they didn't want to be defiled mm-hmm. by stepping into the judgment hall. There's an idea of that maybe even eating the Passover here, Tim, like you said, um, refers to these Chagigah, these uh, Shalemim, you know, these uh, fellowship offerings of the feast. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea is if, if what would have the consequence if they would have been defiled, they... Uh, wouldn't have been able to participate in any of the feasts in correct, the correct. any space demarcated as as holy. Correct. And so, just um, I, continued per, uh, participation in the feasts in general was at stake from the, from their perspective. Sure. And there's the possibility that they, as as again the later rabbinic literature indicates, they presumed that the praetorium in, uh, uh, housed uh, corpses. Because they would execute people in the Praetorium at times. So uh, if you went into the Praetorium, you came into a place where there was a corpse, you became corpse defiled, there was no way you could get clean, uh, you know, for eight days. Mm-hmm. Right, and the, and these, uh, the posse that's taking Yeshua around have acts, they're, <laughs> they're in the posse. circles of the priests, right? Because they, they're with uh, Hananiah, one, or Annas, yeah, right? And right. then they're, they go to Caiaphas, so they're... Um, in the circles where they need to retain yeah. uh, purity from corpse defilement. Right. All right. Let's move on. Uh, I'm sure most, if not all, of our listeners are aware of 119 Ministries. They put out this thing recently. And basically the tagline on this is just a picture. There, I, I don't know. There might have been a teaching that went along with it, but I sure didn't find it. Uh, basically the, te- the, the, the tagline on this is uh, Good Friday to Resurrection Sunday does not amount to three days and three nights. Christ was crucified on Passover as our Passover lamb. So they then are becoming, they're putting themselves in the 14ers camp. In other words, they're saying that he was crucified on the 14th, not the 15th. So, um, and then they, they I got to say, man, and the one thing I am and, um, envious of is their graphic art, artist skills. It's a lot better than the stuff I do, that's for sure. Uh, not the point. Uh, they have this this beautiful little calendar here, and at the top it says the biblical uh, uh, the biblically accurate chronology of the Messiah's death, burial, and resurrection by 119 Ministries. Okay, and then they have this little calendar here, and they want to make sure that everybody remembers that the Hebrew calendar days begin at sundown. Uh, so they have. But I noticed they don't have the days numbered that I could tell. They don't. They don't have. They don't have the numbers of the days. They have the they have the you know the Greco Roman or the uh, Gregorian yeah, the, days. Yeah. So you know, so so it starts on Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday is what they have. Uh, and then and then actually, I'm I'm trying to paint this picture for people who haven't seen it. Basically, they have they have this 
the, they have all these different uh, these biblical references uh, that are numbered, and then within this little calendar, they have little dots that that have the numbers that correlate to these to these things uh, to the different dots. So here's what they're saying: the day of preparation, i.e., for Passover, not for the weekly Sabbath, was on Wednesday. Okay. Uh, and then the high Sabbath is what they're calling it. That's the the fifteenth. Okay, that's the day of preparation, or that's the actual Sabbath day of Passover. The first Sabbath day of Passover they're saying is on Thursday. Now, what they're going to argue here is Yeshua's body, uh, Yeshua died on the preparation day, i.e., what they're what they're saying is Wednesday. Okay, uh, so the preparation day that's when he is crucified. He is laid in the tomb at sundown. On, th- on, uh, oh, let's see here. What is this? Sundown, which would be Wednesday night. He's in the tomb Wednesday. Friday is a normal day. It's just a preparation day for the weekly Sabbath. And then he raises on sundown Saturday night. Therefore, you have three days and three nights in the grave. So let's first, let's take this one step at a time. Uh, um, for total dis- disclosure to everyone listening, my father believes that, uh, and and maybe you should just say say this: you believe that three days and three nights in the belly of the earth, as is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, of course, just like Jonah, three days, three nights. That that's not actually talking about specific time. That's talking about uh, it, it's a metaphor for death. Am I correct on that? Yeah, it's more than a metaphor for death. And the reason that I do that is because when you take the parallels between Matthew, this is found in Matthew uh, thirteen thirty-nine through 40. Uh, but he answered and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, which is a quote from the prophet Jonah, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, the question is, what is the sign? When you look at the parallel in Luke, Luke has the same parallel. He says, as the crowds were increasing, he began to say, this generation is a wicked generation. It seeks for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. Wait a minute. Luke doesn't even bring in the, the three days and three nights. If 72 hours is the sign, why doesn't Luke even mention it? My take on it is that the sign is the fact that a prophet comes and he speaks and there are people who repent as a result of his teaching. And what was miraculous was that uh, Jonah was certainly felt to be dead, thought to be dead, at least by the sailors, right? I mean, you throw somebody into the ocean and you don't find him and you don't find him the next day and you don't find him the next day and you don't even know where he is, you presume he's dead. Okay, so the point is, is that the sign will be that the prophet who is apparently destroyed comes back and preaches and his preaching uh, brings about repentance. That's exactly what happened to Jonah. And that's exactly what happened to Yeshua. Okay, so you heard from from the horse's mouth there that he my father doesn't believe that uh, three days and three nights is a literal 72 hours in the grave. We're going to come back to that after we talk about this 119 Ministries little calendar they got here. So the preparation day, according to this, and I'm going to start taking their side here just to try to uh, get some conversation going. So let's say that the preparation day is on Wednesday and that, uh, let's see here, Yeshua's crucified approximately on Wednesday, the 14th, 
We're going to say that Wednesday is the 14th, the 15th, and late in the tomb uh, around sundown on Wednesday evening. Therefore, the high Sabbath, as they're calling it, or the the first Sabbath of the Pesach day, is on Thursday. Why would that be a problem? Well, it doesn't fit any of the uh, synoptics, and it certainly doesn't fit John. Why? Okay, they have the Passover, Yeshua has a Passover meal with his disciples, all right? Mm -hmm. After the Passover meal, it says that they sang a hymn, and after they sang a hymn, they went out. Where did they go? They went across the Kidron Valley to the Mount of Olives. They're there praying. Uh, The disciples fall asleep. Yeshua wakes them up again. He goes back and prays by himself. The disciples fall asleep again. And he comes back and wakes them up, says, you couldn't even watch an hour with me. And the next thing that we read about is the soldiers coming with Judas, and they're having torches, at least in one of the Gospels. It's still dark, okay? They they come, they take him, and they go to Caiaphas' house, and then they go to the Praetorium, Mm -hmm. and then they crucify him. Where's the time for an extra day? There's no day there. So what about what about so then why couldn't there be a extra day in between the Thursday and you know why couldn't why couldn't there be an extra day that wasn't a Sabbath in between the Thursday and the Saturday? Because the disciples say uh, this is in a number of uh, several of the of the Gospels, but it's clearly in Luke 22. Where do you want us to prepare for the Passover? Okay, that had to be the 14th. Okay. Because they couldn't do the Passover without the Passover lamb. And you can only get the Passover lamb on the 14th because that's the only time that the temple slaughtered Passover lambs was on the 14th according they were following the Torah. You're supposed to do it on the, on the, on the Passover. I mean on the, on the 14th. So then they ate the meal on the 14th. It has to be the 15th. Now, uh, the women were at the cross and they saw him and they wept and even Miriam was there and Yeshua says uh, to John, behold your mother. Uh, and and so forth and so on, and and they take him down from the from the cross, and uh, we know that this of of course is uh, Noctimon, and uh, and uh, who Shimon, and uh, am I right on that? It's uh, Nicodemus, and who was the other one? Joseph. Oh, Joseph. Joseph. Yeah. Joseph. Yeah. So they take him down. The women are watching to see where they play place him, but because it's c- coming very uh, you know close to. Uh, time for them to, you know, they don't have time to go in and wash the body and so forth. And then what does it say at the end, uh, Matthew uh, 27, at the end of 27? It says, so because the Sabbath was close upon them, they waited until the Sabbath is over. They didn't wait two days. Why would they wait two days? They waited until the Sabbath is over. And, and Matthew 28 says that they went early in the morning to the tomb. And he was gone. There's not time for another day. So, in other words, what you're saying is is that they took him down off the cross because he, because it was a preparation day for the weekly Sabbath. So it was Friday. It was Friday. And 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 besides that, if you have the disciples preparing the Passover, that's a preparation day. And then you have all of the gospel saying that they wanted to get him off the cross because it was a preparation day. That is, it was Parascue, it was Friday, and the weekly Sabbath was coming soon. I, you know, I, I think what really rankles the the, <laughs> the Messianics is that, you know what? They say, wait a minute, this is the way the Christian church has done it all along, and the only thing that drives all of this chrono- chronological uh, uh, debate is the idea that the sign of Jonah is 72 hours. The sign of Jonah is not 72 hours. 
the sign of Jonah is a prophet who comes, who dies, who comes back to life, and his message changes people. Okay, so then what do you do with the fact that on Sunday, we presume it was Sunday, uh, you have the two guys walking on the road, and Yeshua comes to them, and, he, and they say, it's been three days since these things occurred, or these things happened. Uh, it doesn't seem like that's three days, because Wednesday, or uh, Friday, if he died on Friday, at three o'clock in the afternoon, Saturday, that's one day, Sunday, that's two days, and it should have been three days. He, they say it's been three days since th- these things took place. Okay, so... Is Luke wrong? <laughs> I mean, Luke records this in, in his 24th chapter. And in, uh, you know, Yeshua comes up and he's alive, obviously. <laughs> and he's walking with them and he's disguising himself. And in verse 18, it says, One of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only one visit?" Because he asked early, well, you know, what, what's going on? What, what what are you talking about? And, and he says, Are... Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What what things? And they said to him, The things about Yeshua of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word in sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all of this, it is the third day since these things happened. Yeah, exactly, but that's my point. Okay, so on the 14th, they took him. Right? They came, They, uh, I mean, the early morning of the 15th, but it all started on the 14th. The Passover was slain. Uh, they were, uh, the disciples were, uh, and we don't know who these two were, but uh, the disciples had their Passover Seder, so forth and so on. This is where everything began. You have the yeah, 14th. Judas, uh, Judas was already in... Uh in agreement with the yeah. priests. Yeah. yeah, but it doesn't seem to me like that. I mean, it seems like they would be counting the days of the three days from the time that he died, not from the time that the trial started. No, or maybe whatever. Maybe from the time that they uh, first uh, got a hold of Judas. I mean, who knows? But all. But the point is, is that you have this same motif where he says, Yeshua himself said, I will go to Jerusalem. They will take me. They will... Uh, put me to death, but I will raise on the third day, not after the third day. He's using on the third day, okay? You can't get 72 hours if it's on the third day. Well, I, I, I definitely agree with you that uh, it, se- it sure does, I mean, it looks pretty clear that there were two two uh, um, uh, preparation days in a row. But right, and that's the only the only time you can get two preparation days in a row is if if the 15th of Nisan is on Friday because then you have Thursday which is a preparation day for the the festival Sabbath and you have the festival itself Sabbath the first day of of unleavened bread is a preparation day for the weekly Sabbath that's mm-hmm. the only time you can have two preparation days in a row but it's still but the one thing that the only thing that bothers me about that is that from the time Yeshua died if you count from the time that he died, if he died at 3 o'clock on Friday, the 15th, uh-huh. okay, so then you have fr- uh, 3 o'clock on Saturday, that's one day, 3 o'clock on Sunday, that's the second day. So it seems like unless they, I mean, unless it was like the sun setting on Sunday night and the third, they say, you know, and now it's the third day, it wouldn't be three days from the time that Yeshua had died. Well, you know. Uh, okay, I, but I, well, I, that's a good point. If we're going to take back to Matthew twelve forty, he says three days and three nights. So if we're going to take that literally, Tim, like you're saying, 72 mm-hmm. hours, we need to count 
the, when Yeshua dies must be at the beginning of a day. But it isn't. It isn't. <laughs> Obviously. He, 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 he dies. At 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. So it, it, the first event, the first event would be a night, not a day. But in Matthew, he clearly says, if we're going to take it literally, three days and three nights. He doesn't say three nights and three days. Let me let me ask this: Why why were the uh, apostles expecting him to come back on the third day, or why was the? I mean, because wh- that's what he said. He said, "And on the third day, I will rise again." That's what he said. So, how do you get through? Once again, what, how- however they excuse me for interrupting, but however they calculated it, they felt that he should have been alive by Sunday morning, and they probably waited around to see him, and he didn't show up. And so they headed off. They said, we cannot continue to celebrate this. We're decimated. We, we have no more hope. What we, because they said, we had hoped that he was the Messiah. <laughs> and we, we've been shown to be fools. And what's more, they're going to be after us. If they crucified him, they're going to be after those who followed him. And, and we need to get out of here. And, so, and he meets them on the road to Emmaus. They're on the way out of the city. They're not going to continue to to uh, uh, to observe the feast of unleavened bread in Jerusalem. They're 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 going. They're home. Okay, so let's it's, Caleb. Can I? Yeah, go for it. Another point too is it is possible. Now I I don't think the we have it in the mouths of the apostles. At least that's been recorded for us. But Hosea six two, mm-hmm. the I, the prophecy is that in two days he will make us whole again. On the third day he will raise us up. Um, the first word there Yoma is. Uh, Yomayim is a dual, right? Two days, and then Bayom Hashlishi, right? Meaning, here's an example: whether or not we read this as a as some sort of uh, a prophecy for Yeshua's third day resurrection or not, we can still see in Hebraic thought Hayom Hashlishi the third does day. not have to have anything to do with seventy two hours, right? It's that you have a, a Yomayim, you have a dual. Two days, and then on the third day is the third of the sequence. Right, and so uh, I take it to be, I take it to be, Friday was the day that these events took place, and they said, "Oh man, he was crucified on Friday." There's the Shabbat. One. That's day one. Shabbat's day two. You know, the first day of the week is day three. So okay, last wrench I got that I'm going to try to throw in here. You have, oh, by the way, I, I should add we have uh, at least in the Greek jubilees, and I know that this it, it's a later date, and I need to look in some of the rabbinic texts. But we have uh, the first day of the week called the third day from Friday. from the sixth day. Yeah, right, right. In other words, so there uh, we have, have uh, some other Jewish sources where Sunday is called the third day. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, when counting from the sixth day, right. Okay, so then the last wrench I got that I'm going to try to throw in here. You have uh, the women purchasing and preparing sp- spices to anoint the body of Yeshua. If it was a, if it was the Passover Shabbat, and if it was fr- and if it was which was on Friday, as you're saying, and then the next day was Shabbat Saturday. Why in the world and who would they have been buying spices from to uh, to anoint a body? Again, there's evidence, and I didn't bring it with me. I, I should have, but uh, um, there's evidence that the things required for the festival were available on the festival Sabbath to those who had come to Jerusalem, to the masses that had come to Jerusalem. They weren't buying and selling, but there was special provision given to uh suppliers to make these things available so that those who came to the festival could obtain them. Doesn't it say purchase, though? Okay. 
But the, one has to, okay, the typical word for purchase is, is, is what? Kara, right, in the Hebrew? Okay. What does... What kana. Does, yeah. Kana, yeah. What, what, what does Eve uh, Chava say when she has, she can't find out she's pregnant? Kaniti. Yeah, Kaniti. I have purchased a son. <laughs> no, you acquire, can say, you, yeah. can, you, you can just as well mean acquire. So I take, uh, I take a bit of, you know, granted the Greek would seem to indicate purchase, but perhaps the Greek, you know, it's the same way that we have uh, Lakach in, uh, in the Eshet Chayil. You know, does it say she takes a field? Most of your English translations say she purchased a field, and I, I don't remember offhand what the Septuagint has there. But I think Kaniti or Kana, the uh, did I say Kara? I'm sorry, uh, Kana, the the uh, the verb to to buy can also simply mean to acquire. And they could have just acquired spices from a spice uh, person who and said, "Look, we'll take care of this later." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, if you disagree, still. Uh, or if you think you have evidence that disproves these uh, chronology matters, please feel free to uh, email us, radioatorresource.com, and let us know why. And maybe next year we'll be able to iron it out even more for you. Uh, hopefully we haven't, maybe we have, maybe we've brought up more questions than we've answered. A big, huge thank you to my father for stopping by once again, spending time with us, uh, and answering some of the questions that we had. Rob, next week, I think that uh, we're going to start talking about uh, about circumcision. Is, is that right? Or are we are we going to do... We'll, we'll figure it out before next week. We have a couple of different things that we could talk about. Rob and I were actually planning on talking about uh, some oral traditions and some rabbinic law today, but we just didn't have time to get to it. So next time, maybe we'll talk about that or maybe we will talk about circumcision. That if we do circumcision, then we're going to be uh, we're going we're going to make that probably several different weeks that we get to talk about that. Have a wonderful Passover, Rob. Do you have anything to say before we uh, head out? No, thanks again, Tim, for taking the time. This is I, I think this is a wonderful thing for us to be chewing on during this week as we celebrate unleavened bread. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, and I think it's also raised as is always the case when uh, you and I and others, uh, Caleb and the rest of us, get together. Is it's raised some things that we say, okay, I, I want to research that more. I hope people understand that we're still students, even though we're teachers. And uh, we're still learning, and we're still looking again and again and again, testing it over and over again to see, is there anything that we've missed? So we appreciate the ability to uh, bounce things off each other. And, and Rob, I, I'm interested in that uh, uh, Jubilees reference that you mentioned, and uh, I'll look for some of the other things that I mentioned and didn't have at hand as well. Absolutely. All right, well, have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your Passover And we hope that you enjoy and learn something new that you haven't learned before about uh, the resurrection and the sacrifice of our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. 